if this is your first time to Hope, let me just tell you, you are coming in on the tail end of a series that we've been involved in over the past nine weeks. Uh, we've called the series Love Different. And in this uh, series, we've been trying to figure out how do we love each other the way God has loved us? How do we treat one another the way God has treated us? Because we've seen many times in the series that God has set the bar rather high for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. We've, we've read things like, as I have loved you, love one another. Uh, as I have forgiven you, forgive one another. And we even began by looking at Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, you know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But see, that's what Jesus did for us. That's the kind of love he had for us. So how do we in turn love other people that way? And uh, uh, so this is the last week of that series. I would love to go back and be able to review the whole series to bring you up to speed. Uh, but we would be here for about five or six hours. I doubt you want to do that. So I would encourage you to listen online. All the messages are online. Uh, believe it or not, people actually do that. I met a woman on Monday. She said, oh, I recognize you. I came to your church uh, on Sunday for the very first time. And she said, then I went home and had a marathon. I listened to all seven of the previous messages back to back, to which I just wanted to hold her and apologize and say, I, I'm so sorry. I mean, th those are hours you're never going to get back. You know, So I'm not encouraging you to do that, but maybe you know you can put it on your phone, plug it into your car system, and listen to a message or two while you're driving to work. Or maybe if you can't sleep at night, this stuff's better than Benadryl. You know what I'm saying as far as helping you get a good night's sleep? But uh, check that out. Now, there's a couple of things uh, we've learned in this series. One is we've learned there are really two ways that we can approach relationships in our life. We can approach relationships our way, and our way would consist of trying to convince people, you know, to uh, see life from our perspective, to see the situation from our perspective. It would be to manipulate people to think the way we want them to think, and then it would be to control people to get them to do what we want them to do. And we talked about the fact that uh, this is our basic approach because most of us enter into relationships for what we can get out of it. We have certain needs. We have certain things that we want, certain expectations we want to be met in the relationship, certain things we feel like we need from the relationship. So we naturally convince, manipulate, and control so that we make sure we get what we want. And I guess that's one approach to relationships because most of us do that. Or we can approach the relationships the way Jesus approached relationships while he was on this earth. And if you were here, you'll remember that we looked at Philippians chapter 2 and we saw that Jesus didn't spend his time trying to convince people or manipulate people or control people. He spent his time here on earth serving people and submitting to people and it, when needed be sacrificing for people. But this weekend, I want to wrap up the series by focusing on just one of the tools that Jesus used in his approach to relationships, and it is the big S word, it's submission. And the reason that we're gonna focus on submission is because this one tool, I believe, is misunderstood and misapplied more than any of the other tools that Jesus used in his approach to relationships. And we mainly have men to thank for this. I mean, we may not be that bright, we may not be the brightest bulb in the box, we may not even be theologians, but most of us men, we can find Ephesians 5.22 where it says, wives, submit to your husbands, you know, and we love that verse, and we kind of used it as a club, and because of that, women are like, yeah, I, I, I tried that, and I got taken advantage of, or I was abused, and so we don't even like the whole idea. I mean, there's just something about Americans. You know, we're so proud and we're so independent, we're like, I, we don't want to really submit to anyone, but it may be when it comes to submission, it may be the most powerful tool that we have available to us when it comes to our relationships. And if we can somehow just wrap our little brains around, around what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes, it literally has the potential to revolutionize our relationships. I mean, as a team, what we're going to talk about, it could revolutionize your relationship with your parents. 
As a husband, it could revolutionize your relationship with your wife. As a boss, it could revolutionize your relationship with your employees, whether you're single, whether you're a college student, whether you have roommates. If we could just understand what submission is really, really all about, I'm telling you, it could change our lives. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And we're going to look at this verse. This verse kind of sets the tone uh, for what we're going to be talking about this morning or this weekend. And then I'm going to come back and talk about the context. But let me give you the verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul says this, submit to who? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so right away we learn that there is this biblical expectation that as Christians, that as followers of Jesus Christ, that we're supposed to submit to one another. It's not about you submitting to me because I'm your pastor. It's not you submitting just to your boss because it's about us submitting to one another. What does it mean to submit? Simple definition, it means to place yourself under someone's authority. And so we're called to mutually do this, to place ourselves under each other's authority. In other words, I'm supposed to submit myself to your authority. You're supposed to submit yourself to my authority, or you could think about it this way. You're to consider my deal more important than your deal, and I'm to consider your deal more important than my deal, not just occasionally, but all the time as a lifestyle, that should be our attitude. In other words, not just on Christmas, not just on Mother's Day, not just on birthdays where you get up and say, well, this is your day. What do you want to do? Where do you want to eat? Where do you want to go? I mean, that's really nice and all, but see, that's not a lifestyle of submission. That's not an attitude of submission. An attitude of submission is, I'm going to discover what your top five or ten restaurants are, and we're just going to rotate through them. Because your deal is more important than my deal. That's what it means for us to submit ourselves to someone else. And the reason that this is so difficult for us to even consider is this. Uh, if we're going to submit ourselves to other people, several things are going to have to happen in our lives. Uh, first of all, we're going to have to give up some control of our lives. And right away, that just freaks some of us out because some of you are absolute control freaks. I mean, you have to make sure everything's right, everything's your way, and if it's not that way, it's the highway. And so to give up control and realize you're submitting yourself sometimes to the needs, desires of other people or their wants or what they need is more important than what you need, that's really, really tough. But not only that... If we're going to submit to other people, it means we're going to have to reprioritize our relationships. For example, first of all, I've got to submit myself to God. And then I've got to submit myself to my family. And then I've got to submit myself to my Christian friends. And then maybe my friends at work. And as we've seen in this series, there are even times in our relationships where we have to submit ourselves to our enemy. Here's the problem. When we begin to think this way, no matter how we prioritize it, if we're going to submit to other people... We always find ourselves at the bottom of the list because everybody's more important than me. Everybody's more important than you. And we think about that, and again, it's like we just push back. We're like, forget that, man. If you live like that, people are going to take advantage of you. If you live like that, people are going to walk all over you. You're going to be like a doormat. They're just going to wipe their feet all over you. So we think, I'm just not going to do that. But you got to remember what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, we're to submit to one another. That's the goal. That's where Jesus is taking you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, you may not want to go there, but understand, that's where he's taking you. And if you're still not convinced, not only does the apostle Paul say it in Ephesians 5, 21, Jesus modeled it while he was on this earth. Let me show you a few verses. It says just in John 15, verse 12, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other. Now, Jesus, how are we to do that? Well, as I have loved you. So Jesus there, again, sets that standard. You're to love one another. You're to love other people as I have loved you. Well, what would that look like? Now, notice the next phrase. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, that's submission. 
Jesus says, I'm going to put your deal ahead of my deal. Let me show you another verse. John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus says, by myself, I can do nothing. And we think, whoa, whoa, wait a second, Jesus. You're Jesus. You're the son of God. You can do anything you want to. Jesus says, no, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So Jesus says, even though I am the son of God, God in the flesh, I take this submission thing seriously. I take my instructions from my father in heaven. In other words, Jesus understood this principle of submission, but not only did he submit to the father, notice the next verse, John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so not only did Jesus model submission to his heavenly father, when you study his life and you read the Gospels, you discover that he clearly modeled submission to you and to me. And Paul says, just so you know, that's the example. That's the example. Submit to one another, Ephesians 5, 21, out of reverence to Christ. This is what he did for you. Now he expects you to do this for one another. So we don't just love one another because we've been loved a certain way. We don't just forgive everybody because we've been forgiven. We're also to submit to one another because that's the example that Jesus set for us. Now, to really understand what Paul was thinking and what he meant when he wrote that verse, Ephesians 5.21, we got to get some context. So let's go back up, if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. This is where the conversation begins. And Paul begins the chapter by saying, uh, follow God's example. Now, if you have a Bible, it, it, says, it may say, be an imitator of God or be imitators of God. It's the same Greek word. It can be translated either way. So follow God's example or be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, okay? Just as Christ loved us, so there it is again, and gave himself up for us. So Paul, as he begins this chapter, he says, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, I want you to know that you're to be imitators of God. As a Christian, you're to follow God's example, to which most of us respond, well, that ain't going to happen. You know, what else you got, see? But Paul says, no, no, you got to follow God's example. I want you to live a life of love that imitates the kind of love that God had for you. So there's the standard again. But then he contrasts that kind of love, that sacrificial, selfless love, with something different in verse 3. He says, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, that's thinking about sexual immorality, or of greed. And it's like, well, that kind of comes out of nowhere. In one verse, he's telling us to follow God's example, love people the way God has loved us, and then all of a sudden, he gives us this list of stuff not to do. Let me tell you what Paul is saying. He's saying, if you're gonna be a person who genuinely loves other people, in other words, if you're gonna actually make the transition from convincing people and manipulating people and controlling people, if you're gonna make that transition from that kind of lifestyle to a sacrificial kind of love, then you're gonna to have to stay miles away from sexual immorality. You're gonna to have to stay miles away from impurity. You're gonna to have to stay miles away from greed because things like impurity and immorality and greed, they work against the standard of love that God has given us. In other words, these are things that will keep us from being a person whose life is characterized characterized by love. Now, why is that? Why is that? It's because sexual immorality, impurity, and greed are inherently about selfishness. It's about me wanting something from you sexually. It's about me wanting something from you financially. 
It's about me being willing for you to suffer so that I can have some need, some desire in my life satisfied. It's all about selfishness. And understand, the subtle enemy of love is always selfishness. I'm not really interested in you. I'm interested in what I want, what I need from this relationship. See, that's why if you're a junior high girl, a high school girl, a college co-ed, a single young lady, and you're in a relationship with a guy and he's constantly pushing and pushing and, and pressuring you, if you really love me, if you really love me, you would do this. If you really love me, no, 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 that's not love. That is not biblical love. It may be lust, but it's not love. So Paul says here, we have, to, we have to stay away from those kinds of things. See, he's not looking out for your best interest. He's looking out for his best interest. And then Paul says this, let me give you three things to do that will ensure you'll be an imitator of God, that you'll be able to follow God's example, and you won't drift back to those old habits like sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. He gives them to us, beginning in verse 15. The first one is this. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, use the brain God gave you. Learn from your life experiences. Be careful then how you live. Second in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And I bet some of you have some incredible debauchery stories out there. And, and a lot of us, we've used that verse for years to say, you don't get drunk. See, the Bible says don't get drunk, and that's true, but that's not the point of the verse. Look at the next phrase. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled up with alcohol so you act like an idiot. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And, you know, so that's kind of, you know, a series in itself. So he says, be careful how you live. That's the first one. Then he says, learn to be filled with the Spirit. And a couple of years ago, I did a series called Walk This Way. It's available online. What does it mean to live a life under the control of the Holy Spirit? You may want to check that out. But the third one is in verse 21. We looked at it earlier. He says, submit to one another. So be careful how you live. Learn to be filled with the Spirit. And here's the third thing that will keep you away from that old lifestyle. Submit to one another. Now, what is Paul saying? He's saying this. He's saying, if you're going to be a person who is going to imitate God, you're going to follow God's example when it comes to how you're supposed to love other people. The wisest thing you can do to ensure that you stay on track is to submit yourself to other people around you. Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because I cannot submit to the people around me and at the same time be an immoral or an impure or a greedy person. And it's because if I'm submitting to you, those aren't things that are going to help you. Those are things that are going to hurt you. Those are things that aren't in your best interest. So Paul says, instead of focusing on immorality, instead of focusing on impurity, instead of focusing on greed, focus on submission. And this is what we're going to see. It's because submission is God's way of protecting his children. I mean, think about it this way. If you think about the worst thing that you've ever done in your life, wasn't it something that you were up to that some authority in your life somewhere knew you shouldn't be doing? I mean, think about it. Don't your biggest regrets in life have to do with things or maybe relationships that you were involved in? And if, if the authority in your life had known what you were up to, if the authorities in your life had known what you were doing, they would have stepped in. They would have disapproved. They would have somehow stopped you. They would have talked some sense into you. But what did you do? You pulled away from under their authority. You went out and you did whatever it was that you wanted to do, and you ended up getting in trouble. I mean, when you think about it, that's kind of a simple way of looking at it, but isn't that true in all of our lives? So Paul says this. He says, you need to take advantage of this principle and the power of, of authority, you need to submit yourself to one another because by submitting to one another, first of all, you protect yourself, but by submitting to one another, 
you also protect your relationship. And whenever you pull away from authority, understand it's not what you're pulling away from that gets you in trouble. When you pull away from authority, authority, it's what you're being pulled toward that will eventually get you in trouble. In fact, whenever we pull away from authority, we're always pulling towards something that has the potential to destroy us. So Paul says the best way to stay away from destructive behavior is to learn how to submit to other people. And in doing so, not only are you investing in the relationship, you also protect and assure yourself that you're going to be a person whose life is characterized by love. I'll give you an example. Think about the dysfunction in your family. And I know it's Sunday and you look all good, but, you know, get past the pious look. We all have it, right? You dig around a little bit, there's dysfunction, there's a mess in all of our family somewhere. Maybe it's dysfunction that was caused by some kind of an addiction. Maybe it was dysfunction caused by some kind of abuse. Maybe it was because of some kind of sexual immorality. Maybe it was because there was some inheritance left and it wasn't very clear who's supposed to get what and greed crept in and it basically destroyed the family. Think about that situation. What if the people that caused the dysfunction in your family, what if they had submitted themselves to one another? What if they would have had the attitude, I'm in this for you. And whatever's in your best interest, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever's in the best interest of the relationship, that's what I'm going to do. Now, let me just think about this. If that would have been the situation, if that would have been the attitude, wouldn't that have eliminated the immorality or the impurity or the greed that eventually wedged its way in between people and between relationships and ultimately damaged, maybe even destroyed your family? How about this, men? What if husbands submitted themselves to their families? As fathers, what if our whole approach to family was, I'm going to do what's in the best interest of my wife. I'm going to do what's in the best interest of my children. Their deal is always going to be more important than my deal. Men, do you know what would happen? It would keep us from being irresponsible morally. It would keep us from being irresponsible financially. It would keep us from being irresponsible with our time. I mean, guys, do you see how we would actually protect ourselves by just submitting to our families? So what God is saying this weekend is this. <laughs> I'm not trying to make your life boring. I'm not trying to make your life miserable. He's just saying submission always results in protection. It's all about protection. And when we submit, we become people who now have the potential to follow God's example, imitate our Heavenly Father by living a lifestyle characterized by His love. Now, this is interesting. It makes perfect sense. I don't know why we didn't come up with this, right? And then Paul says, after he's laid all this foundation, he says, let me give you some examples of what this mutual submission looks like. He says, hey, let's start with the wise, verse 22. Wise submit. By the way, let me just tell you something. The word submit there, if you look at the original Greek, it's not there. You're like, well, that fixes everything. No, see, the way Greek is structured, you go back up to verse 21 where he says, submit to one another, and then he just continues the flow as an example. It basically, it says this, literally, submit to one another, wives to your husbands. There's an example. So wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Stay with me, ladies. Don't get up and leave. Don't go to the bathroom right now because we're going to think you disagree with Jesus. Okay. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. 
And that shouldn't surprise us because Paul just said that we all should submit to one another in verse 21. So Paul basically says, okay, wise, here's how it looks. You're to consider your husband's deal more important than your own deal. In the family, in the home, you're to put the husband ahead of yourself. And men are going, awesome, great, best message ever. Mike, let's pray and get out of here before you mess it up, right? But you got to remember, what? it's about mutual submission. So men, what do we do? Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, Paul says, husbands, you're supposed to do the exact same thing your wife does. You're to focus all of your resources, men. You're to focus all of your abilities on your wife's needs and desires. In other words, you're to do for her exactly what Christ did for the church. What did Christ do for the church? He took all of the power that he could have used on himself and he focused it on what was in the best interest of the church. He said, it's all about you. And he gave himself for the church. So in a biblical marriage, it's not about, woman, bring me my paper and give me a beer, you know, unless you live in Fuquay. I think it still is acceptable <laughs> if, you, if you live in Fuquay. I haven't said anything about Fuquay in a while. I just want you to know, I still know you're out there, okay? That's not what it is. It's about a man, it's about a woman, it's about a husband, it's about a wife mutually submitting to each other. But here's the difference. The husband is to respond to the wife the way Christ did to the church, and the wife is to respond to the husband the way the church is supposed to respond to Christ. I'm going to ask you a question. Because you know what? Sometimes, men, I think we use this verse because we want our wife to get in line and, you know, when you think about the relationship between Christ and the church, let me just ask you a question. Who got the better end of that deal? Well, the church, right? We didn't have to die for Jesus, did we? No, he, he died for us. He gave up his life for the church. So, man, in reality, we are held to a higher standard than our wives are. And that's the way you have to see this. So Paul says this is about mutual submission. This is how it's supposed to work in a biblical marriage. And you say, well, Mike, I'm just one of those analytical guys. It just doesn't even make sense. How do you mutually submit? Because you'd be sitting around all day saying, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you pick a restaurant. No, you pick a restaurant. And you'd never eat. I said, how do you actually do this? I don't know. I don't know. But if you've been married for a while, like 25 years or longer, it's because this principle works. Laura and I are getting ready to celebrate our 35th, and I got to tell you, I don't know how it works, but it works. I mean, you could not get two people coming from two more extreme backgrounds. Southern California, Orange County girl, somewhat of a silver spoon in her mouth growing up compared to me. Redneck, Austin Avenue, Durham, North Carolina, you know. We're as different as nine day. Get married 22 and 19, don't know anything, you know. But somehow for 35 years, this worked. Somehow for 35 years, Laura has put my deal ahead of her deal, and I put her deal ahead of my deal. It just works. And then there are some things that, you know, this, this whole mutual submission thing, there are some things that you choose to submit. Like, Laura is much more qualified to handle finances than I am. 
If I handle finances, it would be the biggest disaster in the world. Salar handles all of our finances. Uh, I don't think I've paid a bill in 35 years. In fact, one day, Laura was doing some stuff on the computer with bills and stuff, and she said, honey, at some point, we're going to have to talk. Because if something happened to me, you wouldn't even know how to pay the mortgage. And I said, I think I could figure that out. She said, who's our mortgage with? I had just seen a commercial, so I went with SunTrust. <laughs> she says, no, honey, fifth, third. I said, that's a trick question. Who names a bank fifth, third? That would have not even been in my top 30. I mean, that's like a setup, right? So she says, you don't know where our retirement is? Do we even have any retirement? She said, I could be putting all the money aside for me, and you get nothing. You have no idea. I said, I'll figure it out. I will marry a 22-year-old accountant. If something happens to you, God will be good. We'll move right on, right? But see, because I've given her the authority, you know what I do? I have to submit to her. I don't spend $50 that I don't first ask her about, unless it's a present or something I'm getting. But if I want to buy a shirt or something or do something, or unless it's, if, it, if it inquires money, I say, honey, do you mind? And she'll say, well, could you wait to the next payday? Or, you know what, we have this coming up. Why don't we wait on that? And I submit to her authority. So she gets all the say in finances. She, sub she, she sub submits to me when it comes to sex. <laughs> a man can dream, can he? I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't work perfectly. I mean, I let her take care of the finances. She allows me to take out the trash. I mean, it's about mutual, it, it's about mutual submission. It just works. It, I don't know how it works. It just works. It doesn't stop here. If you're a child, if you're a student, how do you submit? Look at chapter six, verse one. Children obey. See, you knew it was coming. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So it's pretty simple. As a child, as a student, you submit to your parents just like the wife does to the husband and just like the husband does to Christ. You place yourself under the authority of your parents. And this isn't about who's in charge. This isn't about who gets to call the shots. This is about protection. Remember, submission equals protection. That means that as a child, as a student, under the authority of your parents, if you refuse, if you buck up against the authority that God has placed over you, you know what that verse says? It says that you're living dangerously. And say, I used to think my whole life this verse meant that if you honor your parents, if you obey your parents, God's going to have bless you and you're going to live longer. You're going to get a few extra years tacked on to the end of your life. But if you disobey your parents, maybe instead of 80 years, you're only going to get 72. That's not what it's saying. It's saying if you resist the authority of your parents, you have walked out from under their protection and you have put yourself in a precarious position because you'll probably make decisions that you shouldn't be making and odds go up significantly that you won't live the full life that God maybe had hoped you would live. It's very, very practical. It's about protection. So whether it's the husband, the wife, the child, authority is about protection. This is God's means of protection in your life. It's true of all of us. In fact, Paul says, dads, let me tell you how you're supposed to submit to your children. And the men are like, hello, submit to my children, right? But look what it says. Remember, it's mutual submission. Everybody's asking, what can I do that's best for you? Everybody's submitting, no exceptions. So Paul says in verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Dads, do you know what that means? It means that we are to reprioritize our lives in such a way that we are spending the time necessary with our children. Go back to the two verbs, in training them and instructing them. 
Golf is important. Your job is important. Travel is important. Exercise is important. But Paul says you're to submit yourself to your children. That means that you do what's best for them, even if it means that you've got to neglect something that you want to do. That's mutual submission. By the way, notice what it says. Do not exasperate your children. Do you know what that means? Do you know how you exasperate your children? I'll tell you. It's when we discipline our children, but we don't take the time to train and instruct our children. And you know why we would rather discipline our children than train and instruct? Well, you, you, you can discipline in just a couple of seconds. Hey, come here. 2.1 seconds, new record, right? Hey, you, go to your room, you're grounded. See, that's quick, done, get it over with. You get out to the golf course. It doesn't take long to discipline. But it takes some time to train and instruct in biblical principles and precepts, right? And that means you may have to go some things that you would like to do in order to have that time to do the training and the instructing. And in that way, you know what you're doing? You're submitting yourself to your own children. I will tell you without a doubt, my biggest regret in life. Hands down, don't even, if you ask me, I wouldn't even have to think about it. I spent so much time in my life doing good stuff, God stuff, that I did not spend the time adequately training and instructing my two boys. Now, God's gracious, but that's the biggest regret in my life. Now, Paul doesn't stop here. We're going to for the sake of time. And he goes on to say later on in the chapter, he says this, this, this principle of submission, it also applies to masters and slaves. And in our society, in our culture, we would say it applies to bosses and employees. So when Paul says that we're to mutually submit to one another, he's saying it, it doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter what your position is. There's always a way that you can submit your life, yourself, to the people around you. If you're the boss, you can submit. If you're the employee, you can submit. If you're the husband, you can submit. If you're the wife, you can submit. If you're the parent, you can submit. If you're the, if you're the child, you can submit. If you have a roommate, you can submit. If you're single, you can submit. I'm the pastor. This is a church I started. You would think I have all the authority in the world. No, I, I, I'm accountable to an elder board. That's their authority over me. Just past Monday night, we had an elder meeting. There was a decision I wanted to make. They said, nope, we want it to be done another way. And you know what? I submit to their authority. Do you know why? Because there's protection in authority. I mean, we all submit. It's just finding a way to express your deal, what you want, takes precedence over what I want. That's mutual submission. I think one of the best ways to do it here at Hope is you need to get connected in a small group. Eight, 10, 12 people who you're willing to open up your life with who can pray for you and encourage you and support you and you can study God's word together but maybe at some times hold you accountable for what's going on in your life. We have some good friends that I had the opportunity to lead to Christ and uh, so we've kind of kind of babied them along the way and they've hit some rough waters lately and we just had them over a couple of weeks ago for, for dinner and, and I have never seen them such at peace not only with themselves but in their relationship and as they began to share I found out what their small group made the difference. There were some people who could see the cracks, could see what was going on. Instead of letting them fall apart and drown, they got involved in their life. The guy said, you know, I have two guys in my small group call me every week, two or three times a week, ask me how I'm doing, pray with me over the phone. They hold me accountable for the decisions that I said I'm going to make. And it's changing their life. So you got to have those people in your life. And if you're not in a small group, go to our website, gethope.net, hit the connect button, go to our phone app, hit the connect button. 
But you can find those environments where you can get involved and let people. See, if you don't want people in, you know what that tells me? You don't want authority. You don't want someone telling you what to do or suggesting your way is not the right way. And you may be heading for disaster. But see, God promises this. If you will approach your relationships this way, if you'll approach your family this way, I will use your commitment to, submi to, to, to submission. I will use that to protect you from the things that have the potential to destroy those relationships. Things like immorality, impurity, and greed. Now, imagine a family like that. Imagine friendships like that. That's the standard. It's not about somebody ruling over us. It's about us submitting ourselves to one another. By the way, I believe the reason that Paul addressed this to family is because uh, he knew what we know. We know, man, if I can get this right in the family, this will be a breeze at work. If I can get this right among my family, my friendships, piece of cake. If I can get this right uh, 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 among my family, church, no brainer. If I can get this right among my family members, I can pull this off in the world. See, he just knew what we already know. So Paul says, hey, let, let's, let's just start there. By the way, let me just say this in closing. It's never my responsibility to help you learn how to submit to me. Okay? In fact, that's none of my business whether you submit to me or not. My business is whether or not I'm submitting to you. My responsibility is my responsibility. Your responsibility is your responsibility. Because I know what a lot of you are thinking. Well, if he would do this, then I would do that. Or if she would do this, no. -uh. Your responsibility is your responsibility. My responsibility is my responsibility. In fact, you know, if a guy comes up to me and starts complaining about his wife won't submit, you know what I tell him? That's none of your business. That's her business. See that verse that was written to her? She's right there. Wife, submit. Are you a wife? Nope. You shouldn't even read that verse. When you become a wife, you can read that verse. Right? You're a husband. See, that's your verse right there. See, it's, it's, and wives, it's none of your business whether your husband loves you the way he's supposed to love you. That was written to him. It's your responsibility to figure out how to submit to him. Your responsibility is your responsibility. My responsibility is my responsibility. And to be honest with you, I don't have time to worry about what everybody else is doing. I mean, as a husband, <laughs> I have enough responsibility from that one verse to keep me busy for a long, long time. Now, I want to just close by asking a question. What if we as a church embrace this one principle of mutually submitting to one another? You know what would happen? Our serving would go through the roof. Because everybody would say, oh yeah, it's not just about me being served. It's about me also looking out for the interests of others. Our giving would go through the roof. Because you would say, you know what, it's not just about those people paying the bills so I have a place to come to church. I should have some involvement in what Hope is doing also. Sacrificing would go through the roof. And all of a sudden, everybody's needs are being met. That's what was going on in Acts chapter 2 when the church started. Wouldn't you like to be in a church like that? Wouldn't you like to be in a family like that? How many of you, I mean, you're dreading already the holidays, aren't you? How'd you like to be in a family like that? Jesus said that if we will embrace this one principle and we will live it out, he said this, they'll know you're Christians 
by your attitude and your lifestyle of love spelled submission. Yeah. Let's pray together. Now we're wrapping up the series and I don't, I don't know what you got out of it. Maybe nothing. But I've gotten so much out of it. So maybe it's there. Maybe you're just not being open. Maybe you're not listening as God is working in your life. But if you got nothing else, even if you just came in on the tail end today, how would your life change? How would your relationships change if you found the people in your life that you could submit to? Protection. God says, I'll protect you and I'll protect your relationships. Father, this is so challenging, but it makes so much sense. As I said, I don't know why we couldn't think of this. To think of the marriages that, that could have been saved. To think about the affairs that could have been avoided. To think about the children that would have never gone prodigal if only our relationships would have been characterized by the principle of mutual submission. I just pray, Father, that you'll drive this deep into our hearts deep into our lives and change us. In your most gracious holy name we pray.